The Courage to Lead, episode 145. You're listening to the IB4E Coaching Podcast. Brought to you by IB4E Coaching, business coaching for executives, entrepreneurs, and small business professionals. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com. Hey, Coach Harlan here. Welcome back to the podcast. Hope you guys are having an incredible week. Um, I'm having a great week and I'm excited to introduce you to my guest today. Please help me welcome Robert Kennedy III. Robert Kennedy III wants to live in a world where people are no longer afraid to confidently tell their stories. And they can also eat Reese's peanut butter cups for every meal without repercussions. Love the way you think. All right. His work as a keynote speaker and trainer in the areas of leadership communication has led him to work with organizations such as the U.S. Coast Guard, Barnes & Noble, Panda Restaurant Group, AARP, Comscore, as well as appearances on local networks like Fox 45 and CW24. Robert Kennedy III, or RK3, is president of Kinetic Communications out of Maryland. Uh, he's involved in his community through various boards, including the Association for Talent Development in Maryland chapter, uh, youth leadership programs, and helping nonprofits conduct mock interviews. He's also a professional member of the National Speakers Association. Robert, welcome to the program. Hey, listen, I'm glad to be there and give me, just indulge me for a second. Um, when I go on stage, I get introduced and it's, there's like energy that comes in the room because there's like music <laughs> or something like that. So do me a favor, just say, introducing Robert Kennedy III. All right. And introducing Robert Kennedy III. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta have your theme music. Yeah, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. How are you doing, Harlan? I'm doing great. Love it. Yeah, stepping on stage with that theme music going gets everybody pumped up. That's that is right. perfect. Absolutely. <laughs> so uh, just want to chat real quick just before uh, we get into the rest of the program. You did a skills inventory, a career assessment type inventory when you were in high school, and it told you that you would be a communicator. Yeah. And then you went off to college. How did you use that information when you went to college? Um, Not very well. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I mean, I did this skills inventory and it said, well, it was kind of two um, disparate kind of uh, things that came out of it. It said communication and the other thing was like electrical engineering, right? Very different, very sure. different. So I went to college and I did biology. Perfect. Yes, yes. It makes perfect <laughs> sense. <laughs> and so I did awesome. uh, a pre-med for about a year and then I just continued with a biology degree and I ultimately ended up graduating with degrees in biology and history by the time we by the time I finished four nice. years later so but you did end yeah. up being a teacher for a long time so you did use your communication yeah. skills and now yeah. yeah with everything you're doing very cool. All right I want to get into all that detail uh, what all you're doing now, who you're working with, how you're helping them. Um, but before we get started, I've got 10 questions that I ask every one of my guests. Um, these are questions made famous on the TV show Inside the Actor's Studio, where the host James Lipton asks these questions of his guests from Hollywood TV, film, and stage. And I figure if they're good enough for the Hollywood elite, they're certainly good enough for my guests. So, Robert, if you're ready, what is your favorite word? My favorite word is awesome. Yeah, I say it all the time. I do too. It's That's one of my awesome. favorites. Yep. What is your least favorite word? Complain. I think a wine is like a close second. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right. What turns you on? My wife. How about that? That's perfect. <laughs> perfect. Uh, what turns you off? Um, mean and selfish people. Absolutely. Question five, what sound or noise do you love? I love the sound of children laughing. And what sound or noise do you hate? People chewing gum in public, <laughs> like really loudly. It sounds like they're chewing rubber. Open mouth. Yeah. <laughs> love it. Um, question seven, what is your curse word, favorite curse word? Favorite curse word. I'm not a cusser, man. Um, I'm really not either. Yeah, I, I don't have a favorite one. If you're walking through the house in the middle of the night, you stub your toe. What do you yell? Um, I don't know. I didn't even know. I mean, you probably have to ask my wife. I like, ah. I mean, I would say, ah, or ah. ouch, or oh, man. I, I don't know. It's something. Yeah. But. But yeah, I'm, I'm just not, I'm not I've, a cusser. I've never been a big cursor. Um, yeah. So I'm with you. Good job. Question eight. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Uh, other than my own. Wow. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I kind of love mine. I think... Um, just something else on the side, I guess. I mean, real estate, I, I'm doing, I mean, I've done real estate before. I've had, a, I've been a real estate agent and uh, I actually just passed my my Maryland real estate license. Nice. Yes, so maybe that's, that's the other thing, but I, you know, I love what I do. I don't know what else <laughs> I would like to attempt. All right, try this. What profession would you not like to do? Um, what profession would I not like to do? I wouldn't like to be a male stripper. How about that? Um, <laughs> <laughs> that is a first, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Usually it's like politician, garbage collector. No. Nope. Male stripper. No. Nope. <laughs> yes. Okay. Absolutely. All right. Final question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Dude, I've been waiting for you. <laughs> Dude, God would say, yeah. "Dude, absolutely, exactly." I mean, absolutely. listen, that would be so down to earth. That would be so. That would be amazing. That'd be perfect. That'd be awesome. All right, yes. Robert, we're going to come back. We're going to talk about how you got your start. Um, what brought you to the point where you are now? How you help people, especially talking about stories. Um, and then at some point, we'll talk about courage and leadership. All right. Perfect. All right. So, listeners, uh, we'll talk about that and more right after this. So, stick with us. Imagine having a trusted group of CEOs at your disposal. Imagine having your very own peer advisory team who could work you through the problems and questions in your business before you had to make those difficult decisions. Imagine you had a group of advisors that had your back and met for the sole purpose of making you successful in your business. What would you be able to accomplish then? Well, you don't have to imagine anymore. You can have that and more when you join my Business Success Mastermind Group. Join my Business Success Mastermind Group today. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. And I'm back with my guest, Robert Kennedy III. Robert, thank you again for being on the podcast. Um, 
I've been looking forward to our conversation. So you do a lot of work talking uh, and in presentations dealing with storytelling. Yeah. Why is storytelling so important in business? Well, I think storytelling is one of the most um, powerful forms of communication because a lot of times in the business world, we we chuck data at each other, right? We've got to transfer and transmit information, but we've been led to feel like, oh, it's the statistics, it's the numbers, it's the charts, and that's really what proves the information, but it's not really what moves people to action, right? We want we want to be able to influence people, we want them to be able to get the information, but we all we want them to be able to do something with that information. And so that happens through emotion, that happens through connection and storytelling especially in business, is the most powerful way to do that. Oh, I, and I agree. And you hear it in any marketing presentation, they're always telling you, start with a story, right? Yeah. Because it does draw people in. Uh, there have been studies where if I'm telling a story, my mind is firing on yeah. all the actions that happened in my story. But if I'm telling it to you, sometimes that connection is made to where your brain is firing along those same connectors, right? So we're, we're connected during that storytelling. My problem, uh, and I used to really struggle with this, maybe other people do, is I have a lot of stories. I've got tons of stories. We could talk forever about the stories of my, you know, growing up and everything like that. I always struggled in business is trying to tie those stories to the business uh, service or, or product or, or something that I'm trying to get across to my clients, my coaching clients. Um, you work with people, right, to help them be better storytellers. How do you, how do you connect those things? So there are two pieces of this. Number one, a lot of times when we talk about storytelling, uh, a lot of people say, well, oh my gosh, I'm not a, I'm not a good storyteller. Um, and that's because a lot of times they're thinking about the story. They're thinking about once upon a time. They're thinking mm -hmm. about uh, in 1926, we did. You know, so, and, and storytelling is a, is, is a bit more than that as well. So we can talk about the story and we can also talk about the framework of storytelling. So if we think about the framework, stories have four main elements. Good stories have four main elements. It has context, it has characters, it has conflict, and it has conclusion, right? And so in, in business, um, we wanna think about what's happening in the world of your audience or in the world of the characters that you're talking about, right? And then once you have what's happening in the world and you identified who the characters are, either who you're speaking to or who you're speaking about, then you can identify what is the challenge, what is the issue, what is the problem that's happening in their world. And then you can come with a solution, all right? The conclusion is the solution to that challenge or how you navigate it or how you avoid something <laughs> happening that you, that you don't want to happen anymore. So, you know, customers really want to either um, have an experience or not have an experience and our products or our services cause that cause either to take place. Interesting. So do our stories have to tie directly to the product or service or can we just share something about ourselves? Well, the story has to tie to an experience. It has to tie to a feeling. It has to tie to an emotion. Let me give you an example. I was in the state of Massachusetts and I was sitting in my living room and my doorbell rang. I go to the window and there's this guy outside my driveway. He's got a display board. So I go outside. I said, hey, how you doing? He says, hi, my name's Mark. I'm selling carpet and I've been going around your neighborhood. I've got different types of carpet. I've got uh, Berber, I've got 
uh, Austin Power Shag. I've got low pile, high pile, mid pile, Gomer pile, all the piles, every pile. Come on, I got the piles, right? And then he's got these little squares on his display board, these little swatches. He said, hey, you can touch them to see how they feel. I said, okay, I touched them. And then he, uh, after two minutes of this, I open my door and show him that I've got hardwood in my house. And he looks inside, he sees the hardwood. He said, oh, okay, yeah, I guess, I guess you're a hardwood guy. So, okay, I'll see you later. And he leaves. <laughs> right so now what could he have done differently he could have done this let's 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 create a new scenario he could have done this he could have said hey listen i've been coming i mean i've been in your neighborhood and i was actually just across the street with your neighbor judy and she was telling me that she absolutely hates her oil bill she's like so upset about her oil bill right now and i came across the street and i couldn't help but notice that you had an oil tank our front of your house. How are you feeling about your oil bill? And I'd be like, oh, no, this is the worst thing ever. I hate my oil bill. So what's he done so far? Yeah. He's created context. I was in your neighborhood, right? And I was speaking to some of your neighbors about something. Who was, who's, who was he speaking to? He was speaking to Judy, my neighbor. He created a specific person in my mind, a character. I can relate to that character because I know Judy. Judy's across the street. We've spoken. We've had conversation. And my mind is flipping through the Rolodex of the conversations that we've had. Okay. So now he goes to this third thing, the conflict. Judy hates this. I noticed that you have something as well that indicates you might hate it too, because uh, it's, it's, you know, a common hatred. Right? So now we've established this we've started a connection we've established a connection we started a conversation i'm like yeah i hate this oil bill and then he can come with well what if there was something that i could share with you that would decrease your oil bill by like 40 percent every month would you be interested in hearing about that i'm like yeah i want to save my coins thank you very much and so he could then say well listen i've got some hardwood in my house and here's what we do it would be like crazy and expensive to replace all the hardwood in the house. Plus the hardwood looks really nice. But what you can do is in some of the rooms in your house, just put this big area rug in the center of the, of the room. And that's going to create a sense, some insulation as well. Now, what we do in a couple of the rooms upstairs is we do take out the hardwood and replace it with carpet. And now that costs some expenditure for us, but over the long haul, it's caused us to save $6,000 on our heating bill in the last year. Now I'm like, dook, 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 dook. My, my radar is like pointed. Sure. Right. Because he's walked through that framework of storytelling. He didn't exactly tell me a specific story from his childhood. Right. right. He didn't even tell me about the carpet that he was selling. He told me about what happened with Judy. He, he asked me about a challenge that I had. And then he told me about something that he did in order to address the challenge that he had, which was similar to the challenge that I had. Cool. There's a story. We walked yeah. through it. That's awesome. So yeah, you kind of get on the same wavelength and then present yep. what you have. Very cool. Yep. So uh, from your biology and electrical engineering background and stuff, how did you get into storytelling? Tell me how you got, because I know you were a teacher for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Did that help? I mean, yeah, storytelling in, yeah. in classroom. Well, you know what? I, I wasn't in, I wouldn't say that I was intentional about it in the classroom. I think 
um, I taught high school kids. Well, let me actually go back a little bit further. Out of college, I worked in the mental health field for three years, which really prepared me great for my next job as a seventh grade teacher. Yes. There we go. All right. Good. Now, <laughs> so um, I lasted for a year in seventh grade, and then I moved to high school. So high school kids are an interesting bunch. Uh, ninth graders, they come in, they're like, oh, we don't know anything, teach us. And you can tell them stuff, right? Um, seniors are very different. They're like, uh, do we have to do this today, Mr. K? <laughs> right? They want to get out of there. So I had to figure out how to connect with both of those different groups of students. And yeah, I kind of pulled on some of my own high school experiences and shared, oh, when I was in high school, I did blah, 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 blah. Now, luckily for me, I was young enough at the time that I was like 24. And so they didn't think that I was so old that they were like, oh, your high school was like, you went to high school with Noah. And uh, <laughs> so, um, you know, so I pulled on, I would say that I pulled on uh, high school experiences um, or my own experiences to really kind of create some connection and show that it wasn't that different and, and how my life has turned out based on the, the education that I received. Yeah, talking about the you went to school with Noah. Remember, my daughter came in. She goes, uh, today in school, we learned that Hawaii became a state in 1959. I said, yeah. She goes, you were born in 1958, so you're older than Hawaii. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, daughter. You're welcome, Dad. Yes. <laughs> Go to your room. Um, so working with uh, businesses now, yeah. Do you do you work with them to help them about with their communication styles and things like that? Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So not so much about their communication styles. Um, it's really more about how to, first of all, establish connection with your audience, because a lot of the times that what I get is, well, two things. Number one, I get, hey, Robert, our our leaders are so boring. Right. They're trying to talk in these meetings and they're boring. Um, also, when they talk and when we have these meetings, I feel like we're saying the same things over and over again and nobody's doing anything. It's just the same information dump time and time again. And so I come in and I say, OK, well, listen, let's teach you how to create messages that move. Nice. Let's treat, teach you how to confidently, clearly and credibly communicate with your audience so that they can then uh, buy in to the vision, buy into the information that you're sharing and own it and then want to do something with it after that. So some of that is about confident communication and some of that is about, okay, how do you tell the story? How do you framework this? How do you util utilize the storytelling framework in order to create transformation and move people to action? And I have sit, sat through tons of meetings yeah. That you're falling over, right? You're falling out of the chair because things are just so boring. It's like, how, how does this even apply to what I'm yeah. doing or, or things like that? So, yeah. So how do you work with them? Do you work one-on-one? -on -one? Do you work in small groups? Um, typically in, in, in groups, typically in, in group settings, um, depending on how high up it is. I mean, usually if it's up at the executive level at this point, the, the, the HR person or the learning and development team that brought me in is like, yeah, Jane is not going to sit for a group coaching. You've got to get on her calendar for a one-on-one <laughs> a -on -one session. And so we do that sometimes. Um, you know, I've done sessions with university deans uh, who have to be the face of the college or the university, right. and we do one-on-one -on -one sessions and executives. And so those, those are the exception 
I would say those are those are maybe the five percent of what we do. The majority of what we do really is the group workshops, helping them to understand framework, giving them some practical application, walking them through it and having them practice it a little bit and then get feedback and learn how to get feedback from peers so that they can make sure that they're creating the connection. Awesome. Yeah, I don't think leaders understand. I mean, to me, being a leader is being a communicator, right? If you can't communicate effectively, you can't share your vision, your mission purpose, and a compelling vision enough to bring people in, you're not really leading those people, right? Um, and you talk about having the, the ability to help people give them the capacity to change lives. Yeah. That's what communication does, right? Yep. 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 I think one of the things that as, as we talk about leadership, one of my favorite leadership gurus, John Maxwell, has this book called Everyone Communicates, Few Connect, right? Yeah. And, and the core of that is, yeah, we, we mistake communication for me talking. I know words, right. so therefore I communicate. No, <laughs> it's a little bit more than that because um, there's several pieces of communication. There is there's uh, intention and then there's perception, right? Well, intention, reception, and perception both ways, right? So I can share something with you and you can receive it, but you might perceive it differently than I intended it. And so um, all of those things can kind of, can, can get in the way or it can enhance what happens. So can we go from just communication to connection? And by connection, We've got to hit upon points of relationship, experiences that are common, experiences that we either want to have that we can remember or that we don't want to have or that we don't want to have anymore. They happened at one time and we're like, nope, don't want to go through that again. So as leaders, really being able to, to connect with those experiences is crucial. And in a lot of cases, the way that we get to that connection as leaders is through vulnerability. Interesting. Very cool. Yeah. The, talking is not communicating, right? No, nope. Because like you say, we have certain connotations to our words, things that we know or, or associate with those words. The person on the receiving end has different connotations. So you're not sure, even though they, they know the same word you do, it may not yep. mean the same. My wife always says that communication is an away game. It's not what you say, it's what they hear. And yep. if they hear something different, it's not their fault. It's your fault, the way you communicate. Wow. So in working with leaders, um, helping them to understand that, uh, are there exercises you have them go through to, to communicate or how do you get them to see that just because they're talking doesn't mean they're connecting with these people on the other end? <laughs> well, so I, there are a lot of different things, man. We do, we do activities about um, perception. I mean, I think active listening is, is a crucial piece of this and reflecting is a piece of this. So if, if, we're having a conversation, especially if it's a crucial conversation, especially if it's something that is is important. Uh, I want to make sure that you understand things or that you receive things in the way that I intended. So active listening includes me saying, so what I'm hearing is blah, 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 blah. Or can you share with me what your understanding is of, of this? And so one of the things that is a marketing thing, but we use, I use it in communication as well. In marketing, they'll say, you know, you need to connect with people or touch, have about seven different touch points before people are going to move to action. And I say in any conversation or any critical communication, 
you've got to have three, at least three different ways of communicating the same bit of information in order to make sure that it's, it's understood. And you still have to ask after that so that you're really clear that the reception was the same as your intention. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. I had one manager I used to work with that he would talk a little bit and go, does that make sense to everybody? Right. People would nod and they'd come back, talk a little bit more. He goes, is that, you know, is, is that, is that comfortable? Is that uh, rational? Is that, you know, it, he would ask something to make sure that he would pause right, to give them a chance to let everything soak in and stuff. Very yeah. cool. And then yeah. I know on your, on your website, you talk about um, six types of influential stories. Yeah. Yeah. Tell yeah. me about those. So, the, so every story um, has a meaning and it has a purpose. One of the story types is the hero's journey. So mm -hmm. Kirk Vonnegut was a great communicator and was one of the, 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 the gurus in storytelling. And so he talked about the hero's journey. The hero's journey is this thing that um, we, we see all the time. If you watch movies, right, you'll see the hero's journey. So it's like the hero is in his homeland or her homeland, and they go off to fight the dragon and then they fight the dragon and then they slay the dragon and then they come back home and they share the lessons that they learned in slaying dragon or they may encounter something and they use what they learned in slaying the dragon to conquer another challenge back at home right um so 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 there's there's that how do how do we how how are we the hero how do we uh play the hero or how do we pull the hero out of our people? How do we allow them to see themselves as the hero? So the hero's journey is, is a story type. Uh, there's another story type that's called the mountain story. And the mountain story is like you, you go through this challenge and you come to the top of the mountain, then you drop back down a little bit, and then you got to go to the top of another mountain. So you don't ever really get to the point where you get to the top and you stay there. And it's kind of the hunger story of businesses where you're saying, you know what, in order for us to achieve a goal, we've got, we've got to have this vision, but we've also got to recognize that this journey is continual, right? And so we've got to be able to help people um, sustain hope <laughs> along the way because they're like, okay, we did this, but we did this, you know, last year. You mean, what, what, what do you mean we got to do this again? What do you mean we've got to do more? What do you mean we've got to do better or greater? Yeah, the technology's changed, so we've got to do more. So we've got to figure out as leaders how to utilize, you know, that that's that's another story type that you can use. Another story type is is an origin story. Where where did the business start? Where did where did you start? Why are you passionate about this thing? What what about your space? What about your life has led you to this place where you are convicted and passionate about this thing that is uh that you that you believe in so much that you're willing to to put a business and a vision behind it, right? So that that's another one. And then uh, there's there's a lot of different types we could walk sure. through, but a strategic story is another type that I talk about as well. And that really involves, if I'm talking to sales teams, we talk about a strategic story, which really starts with the need of your audience, and then really helping figuring out how you can. Uh, walk in through that experience or through that conflict and have your service 
or your product ultimately be the answer to that issue that that is that exists. Nice. Yeah, and I think those the, those types of stories, the origin story especially, is important to share with your employees. You know, a lot of times the employees, I mean, I'm just here for the paycheck, right? But you start telling the story and get them engaged. It's like, yeah. wow, I didn't realize that's where we came from, the history that we have. And now the why makes a lot more sense. Yep. Nice. Yep, absolutely. Very cool. And you say uh, you work with the U.S. Coast Guard. What did you do Yeah, with them? I did some work with the U.S. Coast Guard. We had, they, they have a child development center and okay. they brought me in to do some communication work and uh leadership work with them this was this was a while back this was probably my gosh 2016 somewhere thereabouts yeah. um but yeah we, we did a few days together and it was fantastic very cool and you're part of the national speaker association right yes very cool how did that come about were you in toastmasters did you grow through toastmasters or well, yes. I so I, I was doing workshops. I, I was doing leadership workshops. I was doing different things, and um, people kept asking me the question, "Are you a speaker?" And at the time, I said, "What do you mean? Am I a speaker? I mean, I'm here speaking today, aren't I?" And they said, "No. Are you a speaker? Are you a speaker?" Because I guess what was happening was I'm delivering this content. I'm telling them how to do some of these technical things at the time, but. There's always, I was, I, I assume, a, a, an inspirational aspect to what I do. So when, when they were asking me if I was a speaker, they weren't really asking me if I was speaking. They were asking me if I was a motivational speaker. Okay. And so I'm like, no, I, I, I don't know any motivational speakers. And I didn't really realize that uh, it was something that I could get paid for. Absolutely. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, you know, I'm a teacher. I, I, you know, I'm a teacher. I know how to do a little, I know how to do technical training. So, you know, I didn't think of myself as a speaker, but um, I kept getting the question. Nice. And so I said, you know what, let me, let me find out if I can be good or any good at the speaking thing. And so I said in November of 2014, I said, let me join Toastmasters. And, you know, my wife, funny thing, my wife had been telling me about Toastmasters for about 10 years already before that. And yeah. I was like, ah, you know, but you know, <laughs> that's why do I need that? Right. Um, but I joined Toastmasters at the time. And so I decided once I joined up, I'm going to go all the way through the program and all the way up to the highest award that I can get, which was distinguished Toastmaster. And so I did that in about three or four years. And in 2017, um, as I'm exploring this speaking journey, so Toastmasters teaches you about the techniques or how to speak. The National Speakers Association teaches you about the business. Speaking. Speaking. Nice. Yeah. And so about 2016, I started to kind of stalk the National Speakers Association a little bit, went on their tweet chats, et cetera, et cetera. And then um, through the kindness of some of their members, I found out a little bit more about the organization and how it could apply to what I was trying to build in my business. And then I became a member in, 20, in 2017. Excellent. Very cool. Any TEDx talks? No, not yet. Uh, not yet. Funny enough, though, I'm I just got asked to MC a TEDx event in Baltimore in June. Very cool. So I'm I'm looking to to do that. I've thought about it. I just have not committed to it yet. Yeah. Awesome. I can see you up there on that stage. Absolutely. Yeah. With your <laughs> sound effects. The red dot. With your yeah. sound effects. You know. Yes. Absolutely. Um. So tell me about the uh, Storyteller Growth Lab. How did that start? So uh, the long story 
for that in the short time that we have left, <laughs> right, is that in, I don't remember what year it was, but I don't like to um, do things on my own. Although I do suffer from Superman syndrome a little bit and try to do things <laughs> myself. But when I'm doing things, when I'm trying to learn things, I, I try to invite people along. So in 2000 something, I was reading this book, The 12 Week Year by Brian L. Moran. And mm -hmm. the concept behind that book is that a lot of us set these goals and we have all these goals for the year. And a lot of times we don't accomplish those goals. And he said, what you can do is focus on one thing for 12 weeks, right? And that's going to create more momentum in that space than you would achieve over the entire year, nice. right? If you just kind of attract, uh, try to, to do a several different things. So um, I decided that I was going to write. I decided I wanted to write every day. I wanted to create content through writing uh, to really build visibility, build brand, and just kind of get out there a little bit more. And so I invited a bunch of people to do it with me. And so people came along on the journey. Most people didn't complete it. But after this journey, I, I mean, at the end of the 12 weeks, I had created more content in, in that 90 days than I had the past, the four years prior. Nice. <laughs> right. And so um, after that, people said, okay, well, you know, what's next, Robert? <laughs> so I'm like, what do you mean? My 12 weeks are done. I mean, <laughs> what do you need? And they said, well, you know, you started this thing on writing and we know that you're a speaker. What, what's next? And so I converted that community into, at the time, what I call the Speak Right Now community, because I said speaking and writing are intricately connected. Yes. And so, um, you know, if you're a speaker, writing a book's great. If you've got a, if you've got a book, you got to speak about the book. So we did that. And then over time, it, it kind of morphed from just from speaking and writing more into the speaking aspect of things, because many people said, you know what, I'm not a writer, but I want to get paid for speaking. And so I started to talk more about storytelling. We started with public speaking, but I started to talk more about storytelling. And as I did that, people started to say, hey, you know, this storytelling thing is good. Tell me more. And so we just, we created the Storytellers Growth Lab from that. Nice. Very cool. And you do have several books out, right? How many books do you yeah. have? Um, so I've written five total in different areas, really. Um, so my very first book was a technical book I wrote when I was in the e-learning industry. I wrote a book called The, uh, the, Arch the Articulate studio cookbook a publishing company contacted me to write that so i did that and then my next book after that was a personal growth book called 20 days to a new me a journey of commitment after that i did this book called seven ways to know you were meant to lead uh, a leadership manual and then i did this a devotional for men called equipping the warrior my dad and i put that together with with about 14 other writers and then the last one, which I, it's time, I've got a couple other things in, in the works, but the last one was called Find Your Voice, 28, 28 Secrets to Inspire You to Speak Up. Excellent. Very cool. Very cool. And I will have links to all that in the show notes. Um, but this brings me to the topic of the podcast, courage. Where did you find the courage? Getting up on stage and talking in front of people is one of the scariest things people, you know, come up against. Writing a book is scary for a lot of people. Where did you find that courage to step out on your own and, and do this? 
<laughs> I wish I had a neat answer. I wish I could say, you know what? I found it on 2nd and 39th Street. Um, and you can go there and you can get it for $4.99. But yeah, I, I don't I don't have a clean answer for that. I think I've just always been this person who, in spite of fears that I have, has just had this thing. I, I want to try this. I, I, I want to do this. I want to try this. And, you know, um, while I've had many failures in my life, I don't know that I ha I'm like super scared of failure. My mom has always said, like, dude, you're, you're, you're nutty. You're a risk taker. You, you take, and she, she used to use the word unnecessary risks. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, as I'm, you know, riding my bicycle or a different thing, you know, oh, you take so many unnecessary risks. Uh, you know, um, and so I think that mindset of being willing to take some of those yeah. those risks has transferred over into business, into being able to being willing to go up on stage and and do something, even though my heart is literally punching me in right. the chest from the inside. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I, I wish I had a better answer. No, that's a perfect word. answer. I'm, my wife always talks about, you know, facing your monster. If there's something that scares you, do it, and then you'll never be afraid of it again, right? Um, and that's really what courage is, is feeling the fear, but going ahead and doing it anyway. Yeah. So very cool. Yeah, we talk about different types of courage. Intellectual courage is a courage to set aside your long-held beliefs or the knowledge you currently have to make room for new knowledge, because there's always new knowledge out there. Um, there's social courage, saying what needs to be said, when it needs to be said. Moral courage is doing the right thing, even if it goes against, you know, the grain. Um, is there a type of courage you think is important for leaders? You know, I, I think it's situational. Um, I, I think it, it really is that leaders do need to be able to say what needs to be said in, in important situations. Um, and then, you know, I don't have the names of them, maybe like you do, but when people talk about leaders, leadership, some people say, if you want to know if you are a leader, turn around and see if there are people following. And I don't fully believe that because mm -hmm. sometimes leadership is not about leading people. Sometimes leadership is just simply about having the courage to be the first, right? Because sometimes people aren't following you, at least not closely and not certainly not close enough for you to yeah. see them. Sometimes people are kind of lurking on the outside and they're, they, they, they wait for somebody to do it. Mm -hmm. or maybe they didn't even know it could be done and somebody does it yeah. and they were the pioneer. They were the first sure. to do that thing. And so I believe leadership is about that. So I think, I don't know the type of courage, but courage to speak, courage mm -hmm. to take the risk, courage to create a vision, courage to move forward, even when it seems impossible, you know, courage to allow others to do certain things or to mobilize Absolutely. others to do certain things when it means that you won't get the credit for it. Right. Absolutely. So, so well, yeah, think about the, the last wedding you went to and yeah. the music starts, everybody sits there. Yeah. And then that one person goes out on the dance floor and suddenly everybody gets out. They yes. want that one person to kind of lead the way. And you're right. You may turn around and not see anybody behind you, but that doesn't mean you haven't had an impact on somebody. Exactly. You know, I've had people come couple years, you know, years after we've in, had an encounter of some kind of, they said, you know what, because you said this, I did this, or because you did this, I, I tried. So yeah, you just never know where that's going to come from. Yep. Absolutely. Very cool. Um, 
Do you do you have a team you work with, or you work independently most of the time? Well, I have an administrative team. I've got a you know my, a couple assistants. I've got my finance team. Um, I've got my social media and marketing team. So. Awesome that they exist, but I think one of the things that we are looking at this year as well is setting up a few things so that we can have a few other trainers come on board by the end of this year and do what we do. Very cool, very cool. So uh, on the topic of leadership, if I was to bump into any of these people on the road and ask them about you, what would they tell me? What kind of leader are you? <laughs> uh, they would, probably tell you that that Robert is um, uh, focused um, that I I am also flexible because I think one of the things that happens is we, we chart a path we say okay this week we're gonna do this or this week we're gonna do this and we start it and something happens along the way that allows us to go off course or to not meet the timeline that we initially set forth. And I'm, I'm resilient and I'm also determined to, to reach certain, certain goals, but I also look for the lessons in the detour, mm -hmm. right? I always look for, okay, why did this go off? You know, what does this mean? As a matter of fact, can we use this to do something better nice. um, as, as we go forward? So. Focused and flexible, I think, would be two, two big words. Awesome. No, I think that's important, especially leading teams. That's great. Yeah. Um, so what is next for you? I mean, do you have other books in the works? Uh, conceptually, yes. Um, there is an unfinished book that, that I have had for like the last six years that I have not completed. But there are also some other communication-related books. Um, one the working title of it was um, the five secrets to confident communication. And so we'll, we'll see, we'll see what happens with that over the next year. So we're doing that. We're, we're making some pivots in business a little bit, focusing more in the, in leaders on leaders in the real estate space, real estate okay. market. And okay. so um, how, how do we help them to communicate, connect and create visibility? even even more and establish uh expertise yeah with with their with their content and so nice that's, yeah that's real estate seems real transient people come in they sell their mom's house and then they're out yeah. <laughs> you know yeah um yeah so getting somebody to build that confidence that that yeah. style yeah absolutely yeah very cool good stuff robert this has been awesome if uh people want to get in touch with you how can they do that what's your website or you've got multiple websites based on Right, different things. Is there one place they can come and get you or? Well, you know, if you are on social media, Robert Kennedy three is okay. my screen name or my, my, my name on all platforms, except for TikTok. Somebody has Robert Kennedy three on TikTok and he's not using it, not active, which is upsetting for me and he won't release it. Mm. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you know, we're, we're not on TikTok a whole lot. I have a, I have an account there, but yeah, yeah. we'll see. Um, but yeah, you can get in contact with me if you're on LinkedIn, Robert Kennedy three on LinkedIn or Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, that those are the easiest ways to get in touch. But if you want to go to my speaker website, robertkennedy3.com, we can okay. get touch, get in touch there as well. Perfect. And Storyteller Growth Lab, is that still up and running? Yes, it is. And people can go to storytellersgrowthlab.com. There's a button there, click the join the community button and you can get, we can get connected there as well. Excellent. 
Very cool. Well, I will make sure I have all of those links and links to your books because you're they're available on Amazon, correct? Yes, sir. Are they available on your website too? Um, no, no. Okay. There, I think there may be one, or I believe they're there with links to Amazon. Amazon okay. is 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 the distribution arm that we use for this. Perfect. All right. I'll make sure all those links are in the show notes so people can reach out to you and connect. And again, Robert, appreciate you being on the podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks, Harlan. This was fantastic. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. All right, listeners, hope you guys are taking a lot of notes. Definitely check out um, Storytellers Growth Lab. Check out Robert Kennedy the Third, Robert Kennedy 3 online, social media. And uh, yeah, share this episode with your family, friends, and colleagues. And stick around because there's always more coming. That's it for me, Coach Harlan saying, wait, do you have any outro music? You've got to have some um, music. Well, I don't know. It's a little bit more chill. How about that? <laughs> Good stuff. All right. That's it for me, Coach Harlan saying, so long for now. Yeah. <laughs>